Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Today, I want us to look at a, a couple of three verses to begin with. Again, about as we are seeing the power of pursuing. Why did I choose that term again? Because when we think of the word pursue, it's an active word. Active. It's an action word. It's not a, it's not a wait and see. It's an I'm with this thing word. Everybody with me? Pursue means to go after it. It means you see something you want and you do whatever's necessary to get there. I want to say that again. What does it mean to pursue? You see something you want and you make a decision that whatever it takes, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get there. I'm going to find that. That's what it means to pursue. And so uh, we're looking at this not only having that attitude. I see something I want. I see something I need. I see something my family needs. And I'm going after it. I want you to hear this. But you have to understand there's timing involved with that. There's timing involved. There are moments that God creates. Please hear me. There are seasons that God ordains when God will do something in that moment if we respond that is greater than any other time. It magnifies what God can do when we do the right thing at the right time. How many understand that? So let's look at this in Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. You ready? Be very careful then how you live. Okay? So how do I, how do I need to live? Really, he's saying here, pay attention. That's what I'm saying to us today. I'm talking about understanding the time, seizing the moment. Okay? God is, you know what God is saying? He's saying, hey, maybe this is what I need to say to you today. God is saying, I don't want you to miss this. I've got something for you. I don't want you to miss this. How many are thankful that God says, I don't want you to miss this? Have you ever missed some things? Have you ever been driving down the highway and someone in the car says, hey, did you see that? You go, no. What happened? You missed it because you were looking on this side and it was over on that side. You ever done that? So this is what God's saying. He's just giving us a little pause saying, hey, 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 I don't want you to miss this, okay? So here's what the scripture said. Watch out. Not in fear, but in anticipation. Be careful. Pay attention. How you live, Okay. Let's keep going. Not as unwise. Okay, we're not just running through life. There's wisdom in our life. So not as unwise, but as wise. Now, how do wise people live? What does biblical wisdom look like? What does it look like? We make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So living in evil times, we got some crazy evil going on in this world. Tell the truth. Do we not? Have you ever dreamed you'd see the things you see? Hear the things you hear. But we're not going to get hung up on that. We recognize where we are. But this is what we're doing. What are we doing? Because of that, we're making the most of every opportunity. See, we become proactive, not reactive. Is everybody with me? We're not hiding out. Our goal is not, oh, God, save me from this big, bad world. Our prayer is, God, save the world through your church. Our world is, our prayer is, God, make a difference in this world. And there's a word here in the Greek that says, I want you to read this in verse 16. It says, make the most of every opportunity. There's a word in the Greek that's called kairos. I've taught you this. Kairos is a God's timing word. The word for normal time is chronos, chronology, chronometer. We understand those words. So there's chronos time. What is that? 
just 24 hours a day, 60 minutes in an hour. You got me? 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 30 days in a month, 12 months in a year. Just time. Just time. Just living time. Just, just regular time. But there's a different word that God uses sometimes in Scripture called kairos. And it means a God moment, a God time moment. And that word is used right here. So look at this. What do wise people do? We make the most of every moment God times in our life. We recognize his appointment. We're ready for the appointment. It's like this. David did not know the day he went to bring food to his older brothers in the camp of Israel as they were facing the Philistine. He had no idea what was about to happen. Are you with me in this? David didn't know. His dad said, okay, I'm going to let you have a day off from watching sheep. I want you to go bring some food to your brothers and tell me how the battle is going. So he's just going to bring food to the brothers. He's just walking in to, to do that. That's all he had. But God had a Kairos moment planned with David's name on it. Do you see what I'm saying? And so he steps up, and as he steps up, this giant is taunting the armies of God for the 40th day. And so he listens to this giant taunt the armies of God. He watches all the army run away. And David, he says, come out. Why, why aren't you doing something about this? Why, why are you letting him insult God? And you just run away. You've done it 40 days in a row. And David says, so let me ask you another question. What are you going to give me when I kill this guy? Now, I know that may hurt some of your delicacies, but... You know, that, that was the question. He said, somebody needs to do something. Did you hear what I said? That's a pursuit mindset. Somebody needs to do something. And so he says, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. Watch this. That moment, listen to me, church, had David's name on it. That moment was planned by God. It was no accident that David walked up when he walked up and heard what he heard because God had been preparing David for the moment. He didn't know that moment was coming that day, but that was the moment. That moment launched him on the trajectory to become the king of Israel. Now, right now, listen to me. I believe in these next three months, we're in month one already, half, halfway through, that God has Kairos moments with your name on it. You don't know they're coming. But they're coming. Are you listening to me? Now, the question is going to be, when the moment comes, are we ready? The question is, when the moment comes, am I going to do what I'm supposed to do in that moment? That's a Kairos moment. He says, look, the, the days are evil. We, we could spend, you, you don't need me to tell you today all the bad things that you heard on the news this week. That's not me. That's not what we come here to do. We didn't come here to have a pity party. We didn't come here to talk about how bad things are. If you notice, I, we, we don't come here and talk about inflation. We don't talk about all those other things going on. Why? Because we've come here to be prepared by Almighty God for the next Kairos moment in your life so that when it happens, you know exactly what to do because God's been getting you ready. Anybody with me for this? And so what God is saying to us right now is in these next few weeks, I have Kairos moments with your name on it. And I don't want you to be looking out that window when it's happening on this side over here. Everybody with me in this thing? Okay. So he says, we're going to make the most of every opportunity. That's the will of God. Let's go to Galatians 6, 9. Just back one, one book in your Bible. Galatians 6 and verse 9. I read it a moment ago in our offering 
uh, faith time. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 9. This is important. You ready? Because this same kairos is here, this same word. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Well, thank you for that. It didn't look like in, in Ephesians. Pastors need help sometimes too. Come on. All right, so let's look at this. <laughs> Let us not become weary in what? Laying on a couch. Laying out of church. Well, being a grouch. Being lazy. Being a victim. Blaming everybody for your world. Let us not become weary in doing good. See, in doing good, you get positioned for your Kairos moment. In doing bad, you miss your Kairos moment. God's ordering your steps. Say, I got a Kairos moment here. I don't see it, but God sees it. Are you with me? So I've just been doing good. I've just been living the Word, going to church, reading my Bible, praying, loving God, loving people. You're with me? And I'm walking to a Kairos moment. Boom. There it is. But if I'm being a dummy, if I'm being a jerk, if I'm being lazy, being driving, being complaining, being a whiner, being a complainer, doing all this stuff, guess what? My moment was over there. I'm way over here. See? So, so here, how do, Pastor, how do I get ready for my Kairos moment? How am I right place, right time? Do good. Just live your life. Do what Jesus wants you to do. Everybody with me? He wants you in that moment more than you want to be in that moment. Can I, did you hear what I said? He's not trying to keep you out of it. He's trying to get you into it. He's plans there. Okay, so let me, let us not become weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time, kairos, there's the word again. For in the God-appointed moment, when is my harvest coming in? When is the prayer going to be answered? When we finally prayed in the prayers, God said, okay, let's answer it there. No, no, no. He already has it set. Do you get this? So what? So let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. At the moment God has already planned, we will reap a harvest if you don't give up. We will reap a harvest. God already has the moment. God has the intersection in your life. God has a Kairos moment waiting for us. Okay? Let me give you one more before we go on. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. Acts 1 7. I will turn to the book of Acts right now. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 7. <laughs> if you can't laugh at yourself, who are you going to laugh at? Acts 1, 7. We're looking at these moments, and what I, I want us to make sure we have God's perspective. I'm trying to help us to see something above eye level here, okay? God's working. Acts 1, 7. He said to them, so I, I really, I, I should have, verse 6. Let me back up. It's not going to be on the screen. That's on me. Let me read it. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was the question we're going to read in verse 7. So where, what's the setting? He has died on the cross. Three days later, he was raised from the dead. He's now been with them for 40 days. And during that time, he's telling them what he wants them to do, what the church is going to be like. But they don't care about the church. They're excited, again, about earthly kingdoms, about normal, natural man stuff. Are you with me? That's all they could see. That, that, that was the epitome of their faith. Listen to me, guys. That was as big as it got for them. 
They did not understand everything God had planned. So their question was, watch this. They, they say to, he says, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom now? Come on, look, you died on the cross. They couldn't kill you. You've been raised from the dead. Man, it, here's the time. Let's strike while the iron's hot. Let's, let's overthrow Rome and set up the kingdom of Jesus. You know why? They wanted Jesus on the throne so they could be on the right and left side of the throne. It's very carnal, okay? So, so what does he say? Verse 7, he says, look, guys, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set. Kairos moment. He said, you're not going to know those things. Listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Verse 7, the word Kairos, he said, here's your problem. You can't see the appointed moments in your life. You don't understand how big the moments are. You keep wanting an earthly kingdom, and God is about to open heaven and release the Holy Spirit, and you're not going to be little tin-horned generals sitting on my right and left hand in Jerusalem. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to set nations free. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to be Jesus with skin on. You don't need a little earthly chair. You need an opportunity to bring heaven to earth. That's what happens in God's time. See what I'm saying? We want this little get-me-through-the-night stuff. We, our biggest thing we think God can do is give me a new boyfriend. The biggest thing God can do is give me a raise at work. The biggest thing God can do is give me more followers than whoever on their Facebook. The biggest thing we think God can do is make me comfortable. But the thing God can do in the appointed moment, if I'm at the right place at the right time because I'm doing what I'm on this earth to do, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all I ever dreamed or asked or dared to imagine. That's who he is. And that's what these moments are all about. And I believe that God is saying, hey, don't miss it. We're in that season right now at Calvary because you're praying, because you're digging in. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 30. Now, we, we've opened this narrative up before, but I want you to see it. 1 Samuel 30 because we see the picture of pursuing here. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's read these first eight verses. You're familiar, but let, let, let's look at this. We're going we're gonna to open some more layers up here. How do we pursue? How do we seize the moment? I think you understand the picture I'm giving you, that God has these appointed moments, these intersections for us. We need to be there. We need to understand what he's doing when that happens. All right? Let me say this. I just felt prompted to the Holy Spirit. There are people sitting in this room right now, people online right now. This is an appointed day for you to give your heart to Jesus. This is an important moment for you to come out of that far land and come back in the kingdom. How many are hearing me right now? It's no joke you're here. It's no coincidence you're here. It's no, it's no coincidence that you're, you're on live stream right now. You could be doing a lot of things, but you're here because this is a Kairos moment in your life. It's a Kairos moment for the people in this room right now. And, and, and I don't create them and you don't create them. But when God brings them to bear, we better respond to them because it's a special time. So let's, let's see David. David and his men reached Ziklag. I've told you before, this is during the time when Saul was chasing David. David was a fugitive. God had called him. He had already been anointed to be the next king. But Saul was backslidden and the spirit of God had left him. And he was insecure and jealous. Do you, can, can I tell you something? Uh, my years of pastoring and working as a presbyter and a leader of pastors, 
and working with, with church issues. I can tell you when families and when churches get in turmoil and division, listen, I'm going to help you get some free today. I can tell when people become jealous and insecure and begin to turn on each other. Do you know why? Because the Spirit of God is not on them at that time. Do you know that when you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit, you're not going to be envious of another man's blessing? Do you know that when the Holy Spirit is completing your life, you're not going to be jealous and insecure about the success of other people around you? But as soon as you try to make church work without Him, as soon as you try to make church work without the Holy Spirit, you will become insecure, you will become jealous, and you'll become divisive. And so David was running from Saul not because he'd done anything wrong, but because Saul was intimidated by the hand of God on David's life. And so here he is during this season, a difficult time. And the Bible says David and his men had been gone, and on the third day they came back to the city of Ziklag they were living in during this time. When they arrived there, what did they find? The Amalekites had raided the Negev and, the, and Ziklag. What had they done to the place they were living they had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them. They carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed. That's an understatement, isn't it? David was greatly distressed. Why? Because the men were now talking of stoning him to death. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then, notice the timing, after David turned to God, pursued God in a difficult moment, what happened then? Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. This was the priest's garment that allowed them to determine the will of God in those days. They did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them as we have today, leading in God. So he said, bring this to me. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord. David pursued the Lord. David sought God and said, shall I pursue? That's what we're here talking about. How do I respond to this moment? Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? What did God say? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Or but this version I have behind me, the New King James says, and you will recover all. So here's this incredible moment. Why did God put this in Scripture? The New Testament says all these things written in the Old Testament are for our encouragement, our edification, and to learn from their example. Now there's something here that goes beyond or beneath the surface. They were in Ziklag. Something about this city. You, you have to understand, this was a Kairos moment in David's life. Please listen to me. This was a Kairos moment in the life of the entire nation of Israel. Ziklag was a city that had been given to them as they crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land. Belonged to the tribe of Judah. But this city where David encounters the darkest moment of his life had never been conquered by Israel. It was a promise they'd never possessed. Are you listening to me? It was property they had never taken away from the enemy. It was something God promised to them. It had been hanging out there for decades. All right? 
And now, because they did not take what God promised, what was supposed to be a blessing, now had laid in the hands of their enemies, and it was a curse to them. What you and I do not take control of, what God has promised us, and I carelessly leave away, the enemy will be glad to come and take it and become a thorn in our side as we go forward. Are you with me? So Ziklag was not an ordinary place. This place had been unsettled, and it was time, are you hearing me, that a place, an issue, a moment that had been a, a problem, a stronghold, a barrier, God said, I'm going to deal with Ziklag today. What looked like disaster was a setup for God to come in and shift what was happening there. Are you listening to me today? I believe the places in your life where the enemy has held on and held on and held on and held on, that God is going to confront that in this season we're in. And God is going to anoint you and empower you and enable you to go to a place that's been an embarrassment, a stronghold of the enemy, something you know belongs to you, but the devil's had it and we just weren't willing to fight for it. I believe that God is about to go to your ziklag and rout the enemy and he will never live in that place in your life again. But he's going to try to intimidate you to start this. So you need to understand this place that looked like the lowest day of David's life after he pursued God was the place where he received the news that saw your greatest enemy, the one that's chasing you, has now lost his life. So here's what I want to say to you prophetically. I believe if we pursue God in this season, like God has ordained for us, and we give it everything in our heart and our prayer, that God is going to take the place, listen to me, where you heard the worst news of your life, and he's going to turn it around as a testimony. And what represented turmoil and chaos... God's going to say it's where you're going to get some of the best news in your life. So I'm saying today for George Sawyer, for my family, for this church and your family, I decree we're about to get some of the best news we ever had right in the face of the enemy stronghold. I'm ready for good news. What about you? It's time. It's time. So there's so much. That's just one word. <laughs> See what's in the word. But who attacked them? The Amalekites. Again, what I want you to see, this, this pursuit season is going to go down to the roots of where the enemy has been stealing from you. Go down to the foundation of your difficulty and break things that haven't been broken. The Amalekites, who were the Amalekites? Where they were descendants of Amalek. Amalek, the grandson of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau. Esau hated his brother Jacob. Esau despised his brother Jacob. Jacob earned some of that by deceiving the way he worked. But Jacob got that right with God. And Jacob had the promises of God. Listen to me. And Esau lived in bitter jealousy toward his brother. Now we have his grandson, Amalek, who became the founder of the Amalekites. Listen to me. And he carried his grandfather's bitterness from generation to generation to generation. Anybody listening to me today? From generation to generation, the propagating, the sending, the passing down, generational curses, generational curses, bitterness, jealousy, insecurity, inferiority, oppression, rejection, depression. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? 
It is a fabric of some family system. It is passed down. I'm telling you, God is ready to break that insanity off of the house of the living God. And we move through some things. I, I don't know. I'm trying to decide. Well, I, I might, I'll, I'll just have to wait and see if I'm going to say, illustrate some things here. So, so the Amalekites, living under the generational bitterness of their grandfather, the Amalekites were the first to attack Israel when they came out of Egypt. When they were just headed to their promise, the Amalekites fought them. The Amalekites were a thorn in their flesh for the entire time. They, they, listen, the Amalekites represent to you today your earliest trauma. The abuse when you were a child. The rejection when you were a child. The inferiority and the insecurity that came on you growing up in dysfunction. Are we together now? Do you realize these Amalekites represent the devil's strategy to attack you when you're young and vulnerable? To attack you when you don't understand or know why I'm treated this way. Why I feel this way. Why I can't make a relationship work. Why I can't seem to move forward. What we're dealing with here, I want you to see this. is where the devil said, if I'm going to kill David, if I'm going to end the plan of God for David, if I'm going to destroy David's destiny, I know where I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him at Ziklag because Ziklag is a place of discouragement and defeat. I'm going to send the Amalekites because they're people of trauma. They represent raiding the most vulnerable and trying to destroy them. And so the devil has places, are you listening to me, where he knows you're vulnerable. The devil has places where he knows the enemy has strongholds. The devil has places where he has attacked and won before. And he will go back to that again and again and again until we allow the Spirit of Almighty God to take grip with us. Church, are you hearing his word today? Until we allow the Spirit of God to go in and make my ziklag not where I always have bad news, but where I had some of the best news I've ever heard in my life. And the devil, listen to this, the devil knows, never knows when to stop. He burned Ziklag to the ground. He burned down his own stronghold. He burned down his own place. And do you know they've never built a city back on those ruins to this day? Do you know right now Ziklag is a place, a pile of burned up stones. The devil, listen, hates you so bad. Let me say it this way. Fears you so badly. The devil fears your ch children so badly. The devil is horrified about what's inside this today. Do you understand what I'm saying? That he is so determined and demented and demonic and ignorant that he will literally, in his haste to destroy something, will literally destroy his own stuff. I'm saying enough is enough. The devil's overplayed his hand. Your family is not going to carry farther and on to another generation everything you've had to live with. In Jesus' name, I say no more alcoholics in your family. I say no more drug addicts in your family. I say no more divorce in your family. I say no more abuse in your family. I say no more deception in your family. I say no more depression in your family. No more suicide in your family. No more ungodliness in your family. No more adultery in your family. 
family. No more running from God in your family. I say we're taking Ziklag back and burning down the devil's house and going into the purpose of God for our life. Come on, let's thank God for what he's doing. Thank you, Lord. Come on, worship for your family right now. Come on, worship for your family right now. Worship for your family right now. Worship for your future right now. Jesus, do it, Jesus. Do it, Jesus. We take Ziklag back. No more Amalekites. No more Amalekites. We recover everything, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If, if you could sit down for a minute or two. Or if you want to stand up, you can. Thank you, God. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. What did David say? He said, I'm going to pursue. And God says, if you will, you're going to recover everything. You're going to recover everything. You're going to get it all back. Let's, let's, let's look at these verses. Let's drop down. and, and uh, Man, I'm having to edit. You guys are praising so good. I'm running out of time on everything here. <laughs> We're all good. Let's go to verse number 18 in this chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. So what did God say? I love that. I love the fact that in this place that was intimidating and defeating and destructive, God says, I'm, I'm going to do it right there. Guys, it's time that that stronghold in your family is broken and never comes back again. It's strong. It's, it's time in your life. You can change. Do you hear me? Freedom can come. Release can come. Families can be at peace. Children can be blessed and happy and content. So what happens when we pursue? What happens when we say, this is a Kairos moment for me. This is a God moment for me. Me hearing this message is the timing of God. Me sitting in this room is the timing of God. What, what, what am I going to do? God says recover all. What does that look like? Come on, let's look at this one more time. Uh, at 1 Samuel 30, verse 18. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. Everything the Amalekites had taken. Come on. I, I want you to, you need to write your name there. You need to highlight this. Let, let's, let's look at this again. Recovered everything. Everything. The Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? Those that attacked you young. The crisis, the trauma of, of the early part of your life. In Ziklag, the, the crooked winding place where the devil has been standing on your ground, eating your food, living in your house. That's where God recovered everything. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Verse 19, nothing was missing. Come on, somebody say, say that with me. Nothing was missing. Say it out loud. You need to say it again. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Did, did, did we say here, let, let's go to, uh, well, you're, you got me in the NIV. That's fine. So, so let's look at this. It says David recovered all. David recovered all. Now look at verse 20. He took all the flocks and herds and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. No, I, I told you. Remember I told you uh, a couple of weeks ago that David not only recovered everything that had been stolen from him and his city. Someone say, my city. My city. What has God stolen from our cities? Dear God. 
What has he stolen out of our educational systems? What has he stolen out of our government? You know, politicians are, are, are called public servants. Public servants. They are to serve the people who pay their salaries. How many pay taxes? You're their boss. You're the boss. You pay their taxes. They work for you. Your taxes pay the school system. They're public servants. They work for you. We have a right. We have a right in Jesus' name to expect godliness, righteousness, and holiness. We have the authority to pray that thing through and to stand and do what we're supposed to do. Is everybody with me on this thing? It's time to rise up. David and his men, we read, they wept till they had no more strength. But then what did they do? David stood up. David rose up and went into the presence of God. I'm going to challenge you today. I don't want you saying anymore, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Yes, you can. I don't want to hear that ever again. I may not have heard you say it, but I don't want to hear it. And I don't want you to hear it again. Let's drop that. There's nothing I can do. Let's drop this. Who can stop it? Who can do something? You can do everything. That's why we brought this soil here. There's no magic in that. It's just a reminder. We're praying. We're contending. We're believing. We're standing for these children. And we're demanding that everything in Ziklag, are you with me? And every Amalekite that would attack these boys and girls, you're going to be routed out in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I have faith to believe for your children and my children that the ungodly people teaching ungodly things and ungodly uh, attitudes and concepts, they're not going to stand in front of our children. They're not going to be allowed to remain in front of our children's face. Do you hear me? They're not going to influence my grandchildren. They're not going to do that. We need to know what are they teaching? What are they saying? And these godly teachers that are in this room, these godly administrators, we're praying favor surround them like a shield. And they're going to be able to say what's in their heart and do what's in their heart. And they're going to be promoted and they're going to be elevated. And they're going to make a difference. Why? Because the wisdom and the knowledge and the anointing and the favor of God is on their life. And we're not going to sit in the ashes of America's failure and weep. We're going to stand up in the middle of the ashes. While the smoke's still in your eye, you're listening to me. While the ashes are still blowing around and rise up and say, God, if I pursue them, What's going to happen? And I hear God saying, you're going to recover everything the devil took out of your family. Out of this nation. Out of this country. Then he says, he had all these other herds and flocks. I told you this. Where did they come from? All the other people that they had raided and stolen from. Who had given up. Who didn't care. Who just let them have it. God said, I found someone that I'm going to bless. I'm not only going to give him his back. I'm going to give him more than he ever had before. Are you listening to me right now? Ma'am, God is not just the God of enough to get you through. He's the God of more than you ever have. I'm telling you, when you walk out of this pursuit, you're not going to be in lack. You're not going to be in want. You're not going to be in fear. You're not going to be in intimidation. You're going to drive in front of you. I hear a sound coming to your house and it is the sound not only of recovering all but more than you had before the devil started what he did i'm telling you the devil should have left you alone because he's going to pay and pay dearly and you're going to have it and more than you had before we started 
That's the God we serve. Yes, sir. Now, I got to wrap this up here. Let, let's, let's look at this verse. I want you to see this. Look at verse 26. You got to understand who you are, why we're pursuing, and what God wants to do if we will give our whole heart. We'll give our whole heart. Pastor, are you just preaching time to pump up a fast and three days of meeting? God forbid that that's my motivation. I'm trying to wave at us and say, don't miss this. Don't miss your kairos. Don't, don't, don't miss it. Don't miss it. You know, well, I got to do this. Some of you, you know, I can't pray for you, but some of you have been buying those lottery tickets lately. I know. I'm not going to lay hands on that ticket. I just can't do it. All right, don't. However you win it, you need to at least give God 10% of it. So let's. Somebody said, well, would you take, listen, money's a tool. The wealth of the wicked laid up for the righteous. We'll take it right out of that dumb devil's hand and put it in the kingdom of God. But I'm not going to pray for your lottery ticket. What's your point? I'm saying that if you want it and they say, you got to show up and cash the ticket, I guarantee you, you'll be standing there in the door open. Well, I'm telling you right now, God put something in your hand better than a lottery ticket. He put something in your hand better than a lottery ticket. I just want to know who's going to show up and cash it. So God bless him. Watch, this is who you are. So this happens. And then look at David's heart. This is who you become when you pursue. Verse 26. When David arrived in Ziklag, he comes back, okay? He sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah who were his friends saying, here's a present for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. And then here's this list of all the people he gave it to. Some of the very people who wouldn't help him while he's a fugitive. Those people living in pleasure back there in Jerusalem, knowing Saul is wrong. His friends that didn't come help him fight. You with me? His friends that didn't come live in the cave of Adullam with him. His friends that have been living in luxury. Are you with this? These kind of friends. Well, I know Saul's wrong, but who am I? Well, I didn't agree with them in the conversation. I just stood there. Oh, you agreed with them. I'm going to say that on this side. I didn't start the conversation. I just stood there. I'm a peacemaker. Oh, bless your heart. God love you, sweetie. You stood there with your mouth shut while this man attacked your friend? You got no dog in you. That's two weeks ago. You had to get that two weeks ago. So here's the people. Let him face it all. And you know what he does? Because he's a conqueror. Because he knows God is his source. Because he knows God gave me all this stuff and it's not just mine. Because David knew this is not the end of it. It's the beginning of it. Because David knew I'm going to forgive those who didn't stand with me. Come on. Are you listening to me? I'm going to rise above the standard of everybody around me. And I've been blessed. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to sow back into them. I'm going to put this back in their hands. He didn't know in the next chapter Saul would die. But he sowed the seeds in one chapter for the people who would put him on the throne in the next three chapters because David had a future. David had a plan. David had an identity. Come on, when you pursue, lack comes off of you. 
Fear comes off of you. Uh, revenge comes off of you. Forgiveness rises up in your life. How can you give away the first blessing you just had? Because you know this is just my first blessing, not my last blessing. This is on my way to the throne that God called me. I know who I am. I've been anointed to be the king. I'm not a fugitive. I'm not a raider. I'm not running from anybody. I'm going to be at the right time, at the right moment, in the Kairos moment. I'm going to be sitting on the throne of Israel. And I'm going to say to you today, you weren't born to lose. You weren't born to die. You weren't born to lose your family. You weren't born to lose your marriage. You weren't born to live in depression and fear and grief and anxiety. You were born again into the kingdom of God to live out your purpose. Fulfill your destiny. Your family serve God. Your children serve God. Your church go in revival. That's who you were put on this earth to be. If you believe that, I want you to stand with me this morning. See, we're, we're generous. We, we, we understand what's going on. We sow. We give. We plant. That's the God we serve. We're in this moment. How many of you believe? Come on, stand up. You can do it. Come on. Get your arthritis up and we'll get healed. Come on, get up. Come on, get on our feet. We're not weeping right now. We're rising up right now. Anybody rising up right now? Anybody rising up, rising up? Status quo is not going to work for me. Come on, worship team. Status quo is not what this is about. What this is about is saying, you know what? I'm going to pursue. Status quo is over for me. I'm not going to live where I've been living. I'm not going to let the devil own my ziklag anymore. I'm not going to let the Amalekites Put this curse on my family, this generational passing on of bitterness, of judging and criticizing and insecurity. It's time to rise up. I believe God has us there. Church family, if you would say to the Lord today, if you would say to him, Father, I hear. How many, how many get the Kairos moment I'm teaching you today? How many understand you have one with your name on it? Come on, think of that right now. You have one with your name on it. It's not somebody else's. It's yours. But there's a purpose for that. You understand? Why did God give David this moment? Because it was preparing him for to sit on the throne. Three chapters after this, 2 Samuel 2, he's sitting on the throne. In Hebrew. He's God's man for that time. I believe you're God's woman for this time. I believe you're God's man for this time. I believe you're God's parent for this time. I believe you're God's grandparents for this time. I believe you're God's part of the family of Calvary. Come on. I, I, I believe we're here for this time, such a time as this. And I believe God has said, I'm going to put an open door in front of you. I'm going to put this season of pursuit and prayer. And, and, and then he's going to see what we do with it, what degree, how we grab it, how we go with this thing. So I want us to pray. If, if, everyone here, if you could say in your heart, however you want to say it, if you believe, this is a season for you. If you believe that God's going to break some long-standing, deeply rooted issues, then I want you just to say in your own way, God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to rise up today. Today's your rise up day. Today's your rise up day. No excuse day. No excuse day. Today's your rise up day. Come on, let's pray over that right now. Father, we just come before you. Would you pray, pray this prayer some form or fashion right where you are if you mean this? Father, today I rise up. Father, today I'm standing up. God, I've wept some tears. I've, 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 I've had smoke in my face. God, I've had some things burned to the ground. God, the enemy's stolen, but today I rise up. 
Today I stand up. Today I'm going to begin to pursue the presence of God. Today I'm pursuing God. Church, what you understand, David didn't pursue the Amalekites. He pursued his family. You understand that? That's what he was after. First he pursued God. Then he pursued his family. The Amalekites just got in the way. Come on right now. I want you to say, God, I'm going to pursue you. God, I believe in you. I believe your word. I believe you're for me. I believe you're working right now. I believe you're fashioning something. I, I believe there's a Kairos moment, a divine appointment with my name on it. God, I'm going to walk towards it. I'm going to pursue you. I'm, I'm going to give you my whole heart. God, I'm, I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm not going to live like a victim. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to get in that word. I'm going to begin to walk with God. Lord, it's not a drudgery. It's a joy. I'm going to begin to find out how great you are. I'm going to begin to find out your plan for me. I'm going to be discovered that Christianity is not a Sunday thing. It's a relationship with you. I'm going to walk this thing out. God, I'm going to begin to know you. You're not going to be somebody else's God. You're going to become my God during this time. Father, the courage I didn't have, you're going to give me. You're going to strengthen me, God. I pursue. Come on. If you're ready to pursue with all your heart, just say that, God, I'm yours. God, I'm rising up today. I'm pursuing. I'm pursuing, God. I'm rising up. I'm rising up. God, I'm rising up today. I'm rising up today. God, where the enemies held me back, where I've accepted the identity of the enemy, where the Amalekites came after me as a child, where the Amalekites uh, have come after me, where, 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 where bitterness and, and, and lack and, 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 and victimization has ruled in my family. God, today, I'm breaking these things off my family. Today, I'm coming out of this. Today, I'm taking a step for my family. Today, I'm boldly walking out of Ziklag. Today, the Amalekites are dying in my life. Today, I'm making a step for my family, for my future, for my home. Today, I will not leave this building the way I walked in this building. Today, you've chosen me, God. You've chosen me, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.